Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. My name is Dave Bookbinder. I'm a managing director at B. Riley Advisory Services, and I'm also the author of the new ROI, Return on Individuals. And this is a show where we dig deeper to understand what really matters most in business. We always have interesting conversations when we have CEOs and entrepreneurs on this program, and today is not going to be any different. I'm pleased to welcome Sunir Shah, who is the CEO of AppBind, to Behind the Numbers. Sunir, welcome. Thanks for having me. Really uh, it's a pleasure. It. Please introduce yourself. Tell the audience a little bit about who you are and a little bit about AppBind. Yeah, so uh, I'm Sunir. So I'm CEO of AppBind. We help uh, digital agencies and co- consultants set up their clients faster without getting stuck in the middle of the subscription billing and expenses. This has really been a real problem in anything digital and subscription-based. And the way we do that, we have a subscription manager that creates virtual cards funded by your clients that you can buy their subscriptions and automatically expense them. So you can get the projects kicked off faster and without having to you know, eat up your cash flow. Yeah, and we're going to talk about how you scale consulting companies. But first, Sunir, if you don't mind, I would love to explore your background. Um, when we were talking beforehand, you had mentioned that uh, AppBind was actually started as a result of some kind of a colossal failure. Well, would you share that story with us? <laughs> well, this would be therapy. It would be great. Uh, <laughs> I hate the story, but it's a good story for other people. Uh, yeah, I got fired by a client. Uh, it sucks to tell the story, but sure, why not? Um, the... Uh, I was, so I, I, you know, I worked at uh, a bunch of SaaS companies before I started the marketing at FreshBooks. I was running Olark, but then I had my third kid and I started consulting again. And it had been a little while since I had been consulting. I, I used to start in licensed software and then I went to subscriptions, uh, cause it's been some years. And, uh, it was a bit of a shock to me how much more different it had been, uh, it has become with subscriptions. So I was doing analytics consulting, conversion rate optimization for this customer who was a fashion retailer is making a line of clothes. And uh, he's setting up a bricks and mortar store and an e-commerce site. And I was working on the e-commerce site. But yeah, like like any digital consultant, uh, I didn't want to buy these subscriptions because they're expensive. They're all his data. I didn't want them. So every Monday on Project Sync, you know, I'd say, could you sign up for Talk to Segment, Amplitude, all these things, Visual Website Optimizer? And he said, sure, 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 no problem. But of course, he's busy. He's like he's literally making a, brand, a line of clothing and building a store. Nothing happened. But all he noticed was three days before launch, uh, there was no phone number on that website, and which was my responsibility because it was talk desk. And he said, "Senior, what the hell?" And I just sheepishly said, "Well, you didn't sign up for anything." Uh, <laughs> he was a go-getter. He's like, "Okay, let's just get on a video call." And I, I, anyone who's a digital consultant knows exactly how these calls go. And it just felt like I was treating him like an infant, you know, click here, put your email in here, put your password in here. No, click here to invite, no, click, no, click that to invite me. Just click that. It was awful. And in one, one of his remaining 72 hours, we only got through two of these subscriptions I needed and he finally let me have it. And it was a great line. Uh, I use it today. He said, Sunir, my plumber is not making me buy my own pipes. I expected you to take care of this for me. Working with you is 10 times harder than not working with you. I was like, ouch. Yeah, I got him off the call. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. A plumber would never make you buy your own pipes and pumps. What am I doing? So, yeah, I bought the remaining subscriptions that I needed. Uh, but then I promptly canceled my credit card because I didn't want their current expenses. I was late on the project, so I had to work overnight to deliver and get paid. And then he fired me, of course. And, uh, you know, that's kind of a bummer because I thought, you know, I start with the analytics and then I would do the conversion rate optimization and then the ads. I would keep growing one service after another. And that was the plan. I caught up with him a month later because we had a pretty good rapport. I asked him entrepreneur to entrepreneur, you know, what 
you know, what was your experience? He said, yeah, he said, yeah, yeah, sure. You, uh, you know, you slowed me down. You confused me. Uh, you confused everyone else and slowed the project down for everyone else. And didn't you have to do uh, work overnight? Like who could run a business if you can't even control your own time? Like fair points. And I asked him this one question that, you know, still blows my mind. It hurts every time I tell this story. When did you decide to fire me? Because I really wanted to know when that moment happened. And his answer is just so painful. But I'll get through it one day. He said, Sunir, the first call. <laughs> telling you this. I was like, what do you mean the first call? The first call? He's like, yeah, yeah, Sunir, don't get me wrong. You asked me to answer this honestly. So I thought about it for you. He said, I wasn't mad at you at the beginning. I was mad at you at the end. I was stressed out. I'm sorry about that. But it was, it was time to launch. But you asked me to give you an honest answer. He said, the moment you started put, asking me to take care of things that I expected you to take care of, I knew that even though you seemed to know all the right answers, I couldn't rely on you to solve the problem for me. I needed someone who could, which means I had to hire someone internally. And I hired a VP marketing. I just couldn't do that before I, you know, the, the company launched. I, I was too busy. Now I had time. I've hired someone. And that's when I knew I, you know, this relationship wouldn't last longer than I needed it to. And I was like, oh, I've heard that story so many times. My time at FreshBooks with all the agencies who are using that system, at Olark with all our agency partners, I've heard that story so many times. And it made a lot of sense to me, uh, you know, what was going wrong. It was the fact that good contractors take care of it for clients. And if you're a digital consultant, you're asking clients to do scut work that you should be doing, uh, you're going to end up with a poor client experience. That's a great story, and I apologize for making you have to suffer through that again with us, but thanks for sharing. Uh, hope it was therapeutic for you. Uh, That's okay. I have a bottle of whiskey over there. I'll be going into that at 10 a.m. Nice. So that yeah. was the launching pad for AppBind. So let's talk about the, the problem that you're solving, right? Because when you think about scaling consulting, usually we're talking about adding more bodies. It's a labor-driven business. In consulting, you're buying the intellectual capital of the workforce, right? So how do you solve that scalability trap? Yeah, scalability trap is for real. I mean, that is really the issue. The more revenue you have, the more payroll you must have. It must turn over, and therefore you must have more revenue. And that's like it's like the only business where you can't scale out of risk. But it wasn't always like this. I mean, I, I, when I started my career, I worked for a systems integrator. Yeah, I'm a computer scientist. So we're building software systems. It was just like a mechanic. You know, we would quote. Uh, parts and labor. So with computers, networking cables, Windows licenses, SDKs, plus our time to build the system, train and implement, you know, and then the president of that consulting firm, you know, I was 18 at the time. So I was like the happy little squirrel, teacher's pet. And I asked her, like, how does the business work? And she said, we're not selling you your labor. They'll, they'll put they'll put your head down and type faster. We need to deliver on time. I was like, okay, uh, we need to, what we're selling is the service contract, the three-year service contract. Because that gives us a, t a chance to talk to the customer month after month and find something else to sell them. And these become tenure contracts, ten you know, if you keep working for them. But when I saw it with the subscriptions, when I was at FreshBooks, all the agencies around the subscription era, they were stuck back only selling labor because they weren't building systems anymore. So what AppBind does, yeah, your, your, your Tuesday afternoon problem, your immediate problem is I need to get this Google ad account or I need to get uh, HubSpot or WordPress set up. I need to buy these subscriptions from my clients. I just want to take care of it without bothering them with it. And so we help you with that. What we do is we create a shared virtual email and a shared virtual credit card that automatically bills the client instead of you. So it's not on your credit card and the emails are shared so you can see them. So you can manage the account and with the clients so they own the account. Uh, and it's all organized in a professional way for your client. But 
The bigger idea, which we see with, custom, with agencies who are on board with AppBind, is that once you establish this trusted space where the customer can delegate the authority to you to just take care of it for them in a way they still have ownership, actually projects can start expanding because now they can trust you to do more and more work. This is exactly what I expected to do with my fashion retailer client, but it never happened because I couldn't establish that trust. And so what we see is people start building systems out, which is your intellectual property. You're, you know, you're not, you're not like the plumber doesn't make their own pipes, but they build like the, the waterproofing system and they maintain that system. You, you may not have built HubSpot, but you're building that marketing funnel, right? That's your IP. And you can come and maintain that marketing funnel year after year. And then you can wrap your own retainers around it. And that's really what AppLine allows you to do is think bigger. You know, you are delivering something bigger than just your time and expertise. You're delivering systems, you're delivering solutions. You know, you're taking care of a problem for the clients. They don't have to think about it anymore. And they're willing to pay you, you know, much longer term uh, for a much bigger offering that way. Yeah, so here for the folks who are watching and listening and want to learn more about you or how they might be able to work with you, what's the best way for them to contact you? Well, uh, first you come to AppBind. So App is an application, A-P-P-P, and then Bind as in Bravo, India, November, Delta.com. Uh, it's Bind like contract binding. Uh, and that's how you find our product. And I'm Sunir, S-U-N-I-R at AppBind.com. Just email me. I'm happy to answer any questions. That's awesome. Sunir, we're going to take a quick commercial break here. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole and force you to answer something quickly. So you sit tight. You watching and listening, don't go anywhere. We're going to pay a few bills here, and we'll be right back on Behind the Numbers after this quick break. expression in business that you can't manage what you can't measure. Business performance and business valuation, it's all measured by the numbers. But I've learned that the real lessons and the tough decisions that are made occur behind the numbers. My name is Dave Bookbinder. Join me and my guests as we go behind the numbers to understand what really matters most in business. Aloha, Joe Silva here with Kakua Technologies. I'm excited to see you on Tuesdays on Morning Coffee for our tech tips. Let's face it, lawyers get a bad rap. I'm Erin Bruschi, host of Legal Breakdown, where we dissect legal topics for the everyday viewer with a mix of interesting guests to talk about current events and hot legal topics. Let's work together to make the law accessible and relevant to everyone. Catch us every week on RVN Television. And welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today we're talking with Sunir Shah, who's the CEO of AppBind. Sunir, welcome back for the second segment here. Thanks Pre for having me back. I, I didn't want to go down a rabbit hole at the end of that first segment, so uh, you've got all the time in the world, so to speak, here. You mentioned something to me as we were having our prep call that, that really struck me when we think about consulting businesses. And a lot of folks in the consulting space like to think they're selling their technical expertise. But as you pointed out, what you're really selling is customer service. And I would love for you to share that with the audience. Yeah, like when I started consulting again after I left Olark, uh, and I, I, was, I moved up in the in consulting realm. I was doing more management consulting 
as well as like technical consulting. So I was dealing with the C-suite. And what I realized from doing this is uh, clients only buy con- contracting services, no matter whether, whether it's a digital consultant or an auto mechanic or a nail salon on the bride's wedding day for the same exact reasons, pretty much. They're, they're freaking out and they want to be calmed down and they want their life to get back under control. And if they could take care of it themselves, they would have, but they can't. They may not know how, they may not have the capacity or the capability to do it. So they've contracted you and they don't know who you are and they don't have trust in you yet, really. And what they want from you is your trust or expertise, right, to deliver something. But really what we're all selling them is at the end of the project, you know, whatever happens, you're going to feel like you're back in control of your life. That's what it comes down to. And I found, you know, that is a good lesson for me as a contractor. If I'm freaking out, I'm going to freak the client out. You know, I think every agency knows this. Like what they want is not just a deliverable, but the customer service that you're reliable and know what you're doing and will take care of it and not burden the client and further confuse them. You know, the moment you increase their anxiety is the moment they decide to fire you. You know, I think everyone knows that consulting, but really just when I, I even even my first sales pitches to my clients, I started closing them more more quickly when I started telling them, hey, honestly, you're hiring me because you're freaking out. And all that matters at the end of this project is that you're back in control and I will take care of it for you. You know, and then I closed everything. It was crazy how effective that line was. Yeah, that's a great point. The moment that um, you create that anxiety for them, you, you've got the issue. So speaking of anxiety, um, a lot of CEOs and entrepreneurs that I have in the program experience anxiety as they're growing and building their businesses. Is that something that you've experienced? Well, anxiety is walking here, back home uh, today, dropping the kids off. You know, it's uh, no constant, you know, and in what I experience, uh, you know, I'm a partner. I work in partnerships. So I negotiate a lot. And you have to learn how to negotiate with people. And uh, that means, but you're building long-term relationships. And so good partnership people become really good, really empathetic with their counterparts. And you're trying to understand them and trying to build like a secure, again, common control relationship. And doing that professionally, you start realizing a few things is that pretty much everyone in business uh, either feels imposter syndrome or the pressure of revenue or something, uh, you know, if they're good at what they want to do, they care. And that anxiety manifests itself in different ways, different ways. And like, if you are immature with your anxiety, you'll take it out on someone else uh, because you don't know how to deal with it. And, you know, in in negotiations, I call it partnership poker or negotiation poker where people clam up and they like get really tough and they ask really difficult questions or they clam up or they promise things they don't deliver. It's always anxiety. But when you're managing people, it's the same thing too. And like when I was working with these clients, these CEOs, they were, you know, they couldn't, they had to save face. They, that's what they thought. They couldn't say they were freaking out to their staff, to their customers, their investors. I was the only one who, you know, was able to open that door so that they could be vulnerable with me. I was basically their therapist and, and let them express their anxiety to me. And that's why they, you know, hired me really is like I was the only one who let them have an emo- human emotion. What I found in life as an entrepreneur you know, it's okay to be anxious and say that you have anxiety as long as you don't take it out with someone else because everyone's in business. We're all just working together as adults on this project to make our lives better. So if I'm freaking out about something, I just tell that to my staff, you know, uh, not about them, but the work. And then we can work through it, you know, professionally, you know, rationally break it down. Uh, the problem, if I hide my anxiety, it always gets bigger. And I just wish more people, um, you know, were open that they're scared about something. And that allows the team around you to come together and help you work on it. 
Yeah, and that's the tough part, right? Because everyone in leadership, I think, feels like they've got to maintain a certain persona where they have all the answers, even when they don't. And it, it's tough. And you mentioned a couple of words there that I wrote down. You, you mentioned empathetic and, and being vulnerable. And those are two critical buzzwords uh, in the emotional intelligence space in terms of good characteristics of leaders. And obviously, it resonates with you. So talk a little bit about how you are building your culture at AppBind and, and how you're incorporating those components. Well, the first thing is I do open with my own staff with how I feel. I mean, I'm not like teary-eyed, you know, on calls. That's what I mean. I just, I get it. I'm I'm immediate with it. As soon as I feel something and I don't hold back, I'll just say that. Then the faster you deal with it, it doesn't become, it doesn't erupt into a big problem, right? The more you hold it back, the more it builds. And so, you know, if I'm, you know, unhappy with something, you know, I usually just tease my staff, joke about it. Or if I'm really worried about something like that's serious, I'll say, this is a really freaking me out. We need to sit down and make a plan about it, right? But then, you know, what happens is not only does that show the staff that they can, you know, also reveal how they feel to me without me blowing up at them, because that's what they're afraid of. They show, everyone's afraid. If you reveal that you don't know what you're doing, you're weak and people will jump on you. I'm not going to jump on them. You know, I I don't expect them to jump on me. I expect us to express what's bothering us so that all of us can, sit down and work on it rationally and see if we can improve the situation for each other. Um, and then I just lead with it by example. Right. And by doing that, I also, the, you know, my team around me, you know, express their fears faster to me because there's no fear of saying, I don't know, or I don't know what I'm doing, or I don't know how to solve this problem. Uh, we just express it. And then, you know, maybe I know how to solve it, or maybe I'm not feeling wrapped up in the emotion of it. I can rationalize my way through it. And maybe conversely, they can, you know, it, it's not, you know, if you have to, like, I also point out to all my, everyone I work with, whom I hire, my hire, uh, who my, my colleagues, you know, nine to five, you know, I have this role where I may be your superior. I'm telling you what to do. But after five o'clock, you know, we're just neighbors. We're just like adults, right? <laughs> we're just working in life. And then maybe after five o'clock, you know, you're coaching my kids at soccer. I'm listening to you. You know, in this particular context, I have a role where I'm leading the team, you know, but we're just adults. Um, and so, uh, it's okay for, you know, it's okay for me to tell you what to do in this context, but it doesn't mean that I should, I'm somehow have power over you in life. You know, like you're a human being. I mean, look who's on my wall, Gandhiji, right? You know, you gotta think about the human spirit as being above work in some way. And that's how I treat people. How long did it take, uh, to build that environment of trust where people felt safe and they could actually speak their mind with you? Well, it's actually more for myself. I mean, as soon as I started accepting that for myself, I was able to achieve that um, pretty quickly. Because you just, honestly, it's like if you went to a dinner party, you know, you would just treat people like adults, right? And so, you know, it's actually, we we spend so much time learning the bad habits by by copying movies or copying bad managers that we mistreat our, our colleagues. But, you know, for me, I had all these weird ideas of management. Uh, and I had to go on a little journey. I was so unhappy. Uh, I worked at some companies that had a really aggressive management style. I just want to fit in. So I became really aggressive. And my 360 reviews, I kept getting, uh, you, uh, I was creating intimidation and fear in my staff, which is exactly the opposite of what I wanted. I wanted to create a happy company because there's no point going to work if you're miserable. Like, if it's not fun. It's not worth it. I mean, we, I work in tech. Like, like 
it's important what we do, but let's be honest, it's not that important uh, compared to some jobs. Like we still, I don't think we should take ourselves too seriously in tech. Um, so what I ended up to have to do with myself is feel comfortable just being uh, uh, myself with with people and not and not worrying about my upper management you know, like jumping down my throat because I was exposing the fear. Usually, what it was it was that someone above me was even more terrified and they wouldn't they wouldn't let me. Uh, express what was going on. So I guess I ended up having to build my own company uh, to do it the way I wanted to do. So maybe it was just the maturation of my career. But, I, you know, I, I really, truly believe, even having from my consulting to these CEOs, you know, the most important thing you could do is not be afraid of your own staff. You know, you're all working together on this other problem in the market, you know, and, you know, you're all working for the betterment of everybody. You know, everyone's going to do better if the company does well. I don't have time for people playing games in a company, in a startup. Just so work, focus on the problem, trust your team, involve them in the solution. It's not that complicated, really. Yeah, great stuff. Trust them and involve them. So, Nir, for anybody who's watching or listening and wants to connect with you, how can they do that? All right. My my email is sunir at appbind.com, and I'm on LinkedIn, Sunir Shah. On LinkedIn. And of course, uh, if you're looking for a solution for how you too can, in the digital world, uh, build s- systems and solutions for clients, uh, appbind.com, we're a great subscription manager for digital consultants and agencies. Yeah, do check him out at appbind.com. Uh, Sunir, l- let's talk a little bit about, we'll call it the entrepreneurial journey. And when I, when I have entrepreneurs and CEOs on the show, uh, most times they talk about the failures that led to the successes. I'm not going to make you relive any more painful moments after you shared the, the, the story at the top here. But um, in terms of maybe advice that you might share with uh, entrepreneurs or, or CEOs who are dealing with you know, building teams and trying to overcome those, those fears of anxiety, uh, any, any advice that you might offer? Yeah, if you're trapped in the anxiety, like this anxiety trap, well, first I have this imposter's prayer. Uh, everyone, like so many people have imposter syndrome, like pretty much everybody. And uh, so I, I, I often use this prayer for people. Uh, it goes like this. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm not stupid. And I'll figure it out. Pretty simple. And the most important thing you can do is organize your, your mind and then start organizing things around you. You may not have the answers, but it's when you're freaking out in your own mind that's the problem. And so, you know, there's uh, like if you're the first, if you're on a team, right, and you don't, you're not willing to express your emotions. Everyone can see your emotions. I mean, don't think that you're hiding it. I mean, everyone knows they're just annoyed that you're not able to manage them, right? But the first thing you can do is manage them, manage the work, and not persons so if you're something that's bothering you you can call a team meeting and say well this is something i like to work on and start brainstorming solutions and start bringing it under control you don't have to express why you're doing it i think everyone knows uh, i mean you can probably tell when your other colleagues are, are clamming up right but you just focus on what you think is the problem and start working on it rationally and really most people want to come to work to work they want to feel like there's a space where they can be, be professional and be rational and they all have emotions but they want to feel great at their jobs. So if you start helping your colleagues with their, uh, their needs, uh, that's a good place to start. And then you can start introducing your own emotions around those things and then ask them to help you with your, your stuff. You know, so lead by example, uh, you don't have to jump the deep end, but you can start chipping away at the problem. 
Yeah, are you personally doing anything with regard to, say, mindfulness? Because the way you're speaking about how you're kind of getting centered around that anxiety thing, I'm just curious if you're using any kind of techniques. Yeah, constantly, every day of my life, uh, you know, since I was a kid. Uh, so, you know, just walking back, I was dropping my kids off at camp this morning and walking back here, you know, just centering myself. I noticed myself having that Nick fit uh, with my cell phone, you know, <laughs> to look at YouTube clips while I was walking this beautiful outside space. And so I was just trying to force myself to bring my mind back to I'm just walking down a sunny street. You know, just those little habits are useful, uh, you know. And then I, I, uh, I do spend some time every day in the morning and the evening just going through my thoughts because my mind gets pretty jumbled during the day as a CEO, much more so than when I was a computer scientist, like a programmer, because I have like multiple different domains of problems hitting me randomly throughout the day. I can get really, really uh, befuddled. And so I just try to sit there with the, with, the frizz, with the frizz in the back of my mind and just try to let it settle down and find like one thing to focus on. And I'm, I'm focusing on focusing in that sense um, these days because there's a lot of things going on. Well uh, said. And, and it's really easy to lose focus. Really actionable uh, On any tips. given task. Yeah, thank you, Sunir. Really, really actionable tips and advice. Appreciate that. Unfortunately, we're out of time. It goes quickly here. Uh, but I do want to thank you for joining us today on Behind the Numbers. No, thank you for having me. Thanks, it's Kate. our pleasure. We've been talking with Sunir Shah, who's the CEO of AppBind today. Do check them out. And uh, I'm Dave Bookbinder, and I'm the one that my clients turn to when they want to know what their most important assets are worth. Uh, please look for me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't hesitate to reach out. I'm always happy to have a conversation. And as always, thank you for watching and listening. We can't do the program without your support. Please hit the subscribe button wherever you're watching and listening, and you'll be able to stay in touch with everything that we're up to. And that's all we have for today, folks. We'll see you next time on Behind the Numbers. Take care.